0: Welcome to the Linguamania podcast, presented by the Creative Multilingualism team. We are a group of people who love languages. We think languages are an essential part of being human. They're part of our identity and part of our culture. And we think they should be celebrated at every possible opportunity. So, our podcast shine a light on some fascinating aspects of languages and language learning, which you might not have come across before. I'm Professor Rajinda Dudra from Birmingham City University. I'm also a researcher at Creative Multilingualism. We're exploring the links between languages and creativity. Now, it's probably fair to say that many people think foreign languages are just, well, alien to us unless, of course, we've spent years studying them. But is this really the case? Or can we actually understand some words in a different language, even if we've never studied that language before? In this episode of Lingomania, Professor Martin Maiden from the University of Oxford suggests that languages aren't always as foreign as we think, especially if we have some tricks up our sleeve to help us decipher them. It's double Dutch. It's all Greek to me. We often
1: hear expressions like this, and they reflect the widespread feeling that foreign languages are just that. They're spoken by foreigners. They can feel like locked rooms that we don't have the key to. People can even feel threatened when they hear foreign languages spoken around them. Now, it's interesting that in Britain, tracing your family tree is all the rage nowadays. And we can often be very surprised to learn that people we thought were strangers are actually long-lost relatives. This can be true of languages too. If your native language is English, meet some relatives. First here's some German read by Sandra Cozzo. You're going to hear a description of the German Chancellor Angela Merkel telling us when and where she was born and about her family, her university studies, her dedication to politics and her planned retirement in 2021. Mein Name ist Angela. Ich wurde 1954 in Hamburg geboren, aber meine Familie zog in die DDR, als ich noch klein war. Mein Vater und meine Mutter sind tot, aber ich habe einen Bruder und eine Schwester. Ich war zweimal verheiratet, habe aber keine Kinder. Ich habe an der Universität Physik studiert und dachte, ich würde Wissenschaftlerin werden. In Wirklichkeit habe ich aber mein ganzes Leben der Politik gewidmet. Manche Leute sagen, dass ich die mächtigste Frau der Welt bin. Ich arbeite sehr hart, werde aber 2021 in den Ruhestand treten. Now let's hear some Italian read by Chiara Capellaro. It's about Italy as one of the founding states of the European Union the country's geography and its language. L'Italia è uno dei sei stati fondatori dell'Unione Europea. La sua capitale è Roma. Geograficamente l'Italia è costituita da tre parti: la parte continentale con le Alpi a nord e gli Appennini a sud, la parte peninsulare che si allunga nel Mediterraneo in direzione nord-ovest-sud-est e per concludere la parte insulare con le due maggiori isole del Mediterraneo, la Sardegna e la Sicilia. La lingua ufficiale è l'italiano, ma non è raro avere come lingua madre un dialetto locale. Mio padre, ad esempio, era nato in Lombardia, regione che si trova ai piedi delle Alpi, e parlava solo dialetto in casa. If you don't already know these languages, probably not much of what you heard made sense to you although you may have recognised the odd word, and we'll come back to why later. These languages are actually linguistic relatives of English. German could be said to be a sister, in that both languages are descended from a common ancestor language, spoken maybe 2,000 years ago, called Proto-Germanic. When you hear the German phrase Mein Name ist, It still sounds practically identical to English my name is, doesn't it? And words like Vater, Bruder, Schwester sound pretty much like English father, brother and sister. And you can easily guess what Mutter means. Italian is also a more distant relative of English. It is descended from Latin, and Latin in turn was descended from a language called Proto-Italic. And in turn, this Proto-Italic and Proto-Germanic share a common ancestor which linguists call Proto-Indo-European, spoken some four to six thousand years ago. This Proto-Indo-European is actually also the great-grandmother of other modern language families, such as Celtic, Slavonic and many of the languages of India. All of these languages and language families are relatives.
0: Well then, many languages are part of larger family trees. But how can we spot our linguistic relatives? Martin Maiden has an example of the kind of trick we can use to help make the unfamiliar familiar. We
1: can quite often recognise our own relatives because they look like us. But sometimes we have to resort to quite sophisticated methods to realise that resemblances exist. And so it is with languages. Over time, what was originally the same word can drift apart in different languages and end up sounding like words that have nothing to do with each other. This can happen because sounds just tend to change. The good news is that they don't change randomly, but in regular, predictable ways. This means we can play detective by realising that a sound in a word in one language may have a predictable counterpart in another language. And suddenly, an unfamiliar word can become a familiar one. For example, where English has T, German often has the sound s spelt z and vice versa. This pattern of regular difference occurs over and over again. In the date 2021 in the German passage you heard earlier, you can easily make out the words for two, zwei and twenty, zwanzig. And now you will have no trouble in guessing what number zehn is or what part of your body the Zunge is. There are other patterns too, such as English TH, the TH sound, tending to correspond to German D, or English D tending to correspond to German T. In the passage Sandra read earlier, we heard Ich dachte, I thought, or words like der, die, or das, which correspond to the English definite article the or that. You've probably heard German speakers saying danke, and that corresponds to English thank or thanks. And it's pretty easy to guess what the number drei is. In the phrase mein Vater und meiner Mutter sind tot, my father and mother are dead, tot corresponds to English dead and shows how German T often corresponds to English D. After that, it's not difficult to guess what colour rot is, or what the verb trinken means, or what part of a house a tür might be. These sound resemblances don't always work by any means, but it's striking how often they do and how much they can help. Similarities of the kind we have seen for German are harder to spot between English and Italian because the two languages are much more distantly related. But the resemblances do exist. In the phrase tre parti, three parts, we have the numeral tre, three, and an example of a common correspondence between T and English th, the TH sound. The numeral due, two, reveals a correspondence between D and T. So it's less surprising that the Italian word dente is actually the same as the English word tooth. Or that the numeral dieci is the word for ten. Or that the word piedi in ai piedi delle Alpi, at the feet of the Alps, means feet. And the P at the beginning of piedi, feet, corresponds to English F more generally, as we also see in the phrase
0: mio padre, my father. So, it can be easier to work out the meanings of some German and Italian words than you might have thought. Next up, we're going to look at how languages can come to resemble each other through borrowing. Just as people belonging to one culture may borrow things, and ideas from another, so the words for those things and ideas may also be borrowed. Here's Professor Martin Maiden to explain how this works.
1: You may have been able to recognise a few words in the German and Italian passages we heard, not particularly because these languages are related to English, but because German, Italian and English have all borrowed them from a common source usually classical Latin or ancient Greek. For example, German Universität for university, Physik for physics, Italian capitale for capital, parte for part, concludere for conclude, direzione for direction. The Italian names for the points of the compass, nord, sud, ovest, est, ultimately came from Old English in the Middle Ages. In fact, word borrowing can build bridges between languages that aren't otherwise related to each other. People belonging to one culture borrow, or simply take, things and ideas from another culture, and they often borrow the words for those things and ideas as well. The result is a kind of smoothing out of differences, even between languages that are not related. Some examples are plain obvious, as with the word spaghetti from Italian or bar from English, which can be heard in languages all over the world. The older an international borrowed word is, the more likely it is for its identity to have become veiled by the pronunciation habits of different languages. Take tomato. This word comes from an indigenous language of the Americas and was introduced into Europe via Spanish. But the differing pronunciation habits of different languages mean that its identity soon became obscured, so you have to unravel the differences. Compare the pronunciation of Spanish tomate, French tomate, British English tomato, and of course American tomato. Now let's take Japanese, a language which absolutely isn't related to English. In recent times, Japanese has borrowed a lot of words from English, but the pronunciation of Japanese is so different from that of English that familiar words can end up sounding impenetrably alien. Here, Ikuya Aizawa reads out some modern Japanese words. Can you recognise them? You'll have to concentrate very hard. Tomato, chocolate, avocado,
0: coffee, spaghetti, sports, film, bus Could
1: you work out what I was saying? It was tomato, chocolate, avocado, coffee, spaghetti, sport. Film and bus stop. These words are all borrowed from English, although some of them, such as tomato or spaghetti, are words that English itself borrowed from other languages, as we said earlier. Here, English speakers need to learn to penetrate the veil of Japanese pronunciation. To learn, for example, that film is film because Japanese replaces L with R because Japanese syllables nearly always end in a vowel, so that extra vowels get added to words, and so on. Sure, learning and understanding a foreign language always involves some very hard work. But the door is rarely completely shut. And that means that sometimes, things that sound completely alien may just turn out to be
0: old friends in disguise. Thanks for listening to our Linguamania podcast. The series is produced by Creative Multilingualism, a research programme led by the University of Oxford and funded by the Arts and Humanities Research Council. Our aim is to make languages more visible, valued and vibrant. If you've enjoyed this episode, have a listen to the rest of the series. And you can find out more about Creative Multilingualism at www.creativeml.ox.ac.uk That's www. Dot CreativeML.ox.ac.uk or follow us on Twitter at CreativeLangs Langs, all one word, and you'll find all this information on our website.